Welcome to Talking Not Ranting. My name is Alistair Field. And I'm Greg Smith. You've dropped in our topic series, The Struggle to Be a Good Manager. And today's episode, Offices. Let's set the stage here. Greg and I have been friends for a long time. And this is episode number two in Staples Studio. In person, live. Well, not live, but live for us. Live for us, that's right. Right. And uh, we, uh, again... The table is full of equipment. Full of equipment. And more equipment today because I brought my computer as well as yours. This looks like a professional uh, recording studio. We look like a professional production team. We do. But we know we're not. We're not. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, let's get on this. We have both been managers for uh, much of our careers. We have both benefited from others assisting us in our management development We have been hosting this podcast series dealing how we and others have missed the mark as managers. We're going to start at the perspective of the employees and move on. And we're going to discuss how we have observed others successfully manage these situations. We're always going to have a theme of a healthy conversation. And I think we're going to have a good discussion about this one today. I think we are too. I think it's going to, it might wander a little bit, but it's, uh, it's definitely going to cover everything. Yeah. We started talking about before we turned on the tape, it's like, we better get going because we've already started. Right, exactly. So offices, things are beginning to open up again and you and your fellow employees will maybe be heading back to the office. In doing so, you experience again all the stuff that circles around and about an office and you experience all the questions around this topic. Will you still have an office? Can you get an office? Who gets an office? Is there a policy about who gets an office and what size? Who gets the nice office? Perhaps the corner one or the one with the nice view? Bosses don't like to talk about offices or the policy. Every time a new system for the allocation of offices comes into play, somebody gets screwed. So Greg, how does this affect our relationships in the work environment? Well, and I think uh, there are probably four more things that we could add to this, even specifically just about the office. So with hybrid work, uh, will people have a permanent office? Will I be able to leave my pictures? Uh, How will I know what offices are available if there is an office available? And how do I reserve an office going forward? We're going open concept because we want to create more space. So there's no more offices. So there's so many confusing things that will happen. Um, and, and, you know, it's interesting. Offices have been uh, kind of a frustrating thing in the past. And everybody has tried throughout my career. We've tried to have kind of a policy, uh, procedure, uh, a way of determining these things. Honestly, I don't think I've ever been in an organization that has worked. Uh, I think it's always changing. Someone is always working around the rules. Um, it's it's very tough, but you want to have some kind of a framework. And when you don't, man, oh man, people get distracted. Uh, people feel uh, dissed and uh, as if they're not as valued as much as others. Um, especially in those organizations where there is no clear process. And to go too too much detail, that will mess you up. To have no details, that will mess you up. But you got to have some kind of framework. And it's not just about the physical office space. It's how are we going to work? How are we going to interact? Who do I go to for what? I mean, there's so many unanswered questions that organizations are going to have to be figuring out, and even more so in the complexity of a hybrid work environment. 
two words. Plants, where are they going to go? Right. Where are they going to go? And um, I think this has a lot to do with status and who is more valuable than the other person. And uh, this is something I could care less about until there's a problem and either as a manager I have to deal with it or somebody's in an office that just got here and then even myself gets a little bent out of shape. But I, I remember the first time I went into an open concept, I was on a team of six investigators, five of us were sergeants, one was a constable. And I said, where do I sit? They say, oh, sit anywhere. Okay. So I sit down. Oh no, you can't sit there. So I went and sat somewhere else. You can't sit there either. Oh, okay. So I finally got a spot and they said, okay, that's good. There's five drawers. You're sharing it with two other people. You work at different times. So you have one drawer because you're junior. I went, okay. So I open up that drawer and it's full of some other guy's stuff. He said, yeah, but you can't use the drawer. And it's like, okay, that's fine. So I got a banker's box and that's where I put my stuff. And I didn't have a plant, Greg. And that's been my history. I remember I was working in an organization and in the first three years, I think I was in five different offices. And somebody comes into the office and they go, why haven't you unpacked? How much time do you have? Huh. So to me, this is, it is what it is. I prefer not being in an office, but if I am, of course I want a nice one. And I would like to unpack every once in a while. Well, you know, I've had different experiences with offices and, um, Again, I'm like you. I don't really need an office. And sometimes when I was in senior leadership roles, I would, uh, I had this one office that uh, I swear was the size of a bowling alley. And it was, and they had just gone to open concept in this organization. And uh, except for the senior leaders and their offices were huge. And they redesigned it that way. I was before I arrived. And, uh, and so what I did was I actually moved my desk to uh, uh, one of the parts of the corner, had a great big uh, table moved in, and said to all of my staff that, A, when I'm not there, have me use it as a meeting space. And secondly, even when I'm there, as long as I'm not in any confidential area, you know, that you can use it as well. So the, the fluidness of that made, made a lot of sense to me. The other thing I've done in the past is, is actually identified um, n- not by level offices, but by roles. And this was always really helpful because, again, it's a framework of – who gets a, a closed space if it's if if your role requires it? So you know it just a, it's easier to define than the just by level always gets mucky. But it is it is so confusing and so troubling, and uh, um, it's only one piece of the return to the uh, physical office space that people are going to have to figure out. One more story before we really get into the episode. Later in my career, I gave up my office because somebody new was coming in. And they were one of these people that needed a closed office to concentrate. I don't. So I gave up my office. So I got visited by more people. Alistair, is everything okay? Are you in trouble? And then other people were irritated with me. It's like, so? Like, what's the problem? I'm good. So people not not only are worried about what, what their situation is, but they're worried about what other people's situations are because it might affect them as well. And so this is, this is the issue that we talk about. And we're all, like you said, we're all going to work. And you and I are sitting here in Staples Studio. And like if I had to work somewhere like this, it would be here. 
phone booths, closed offices, meeting rooms, podcast. And uh, there's a, a room there you can have a big meeting. And there's a bunch of individual places you can just plop down and do whatever you're going to do. So um, it's interesting that we're talking about this sitting in a co-working environment. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting because uh, there are two organizations that I've been in that I have had the opportunity to help reconfigure. And uh, and the one was uh, 15, 20 years ago, and we actually reconfigured exactly like it is here. And we 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 got a sense of of and through discussions with team members, what do they need privacy for, and what do they need collaboration for, and there was uh, we worked with a great partner who was a thought leader in this space, and they they said, okay, here's what you need to do. We're gonna we're gonna uh, build little pods that are good for two to three people for those mini sessions, or if you've got a performance appraisal or those kinds of things you need to do. We're gonna have phone booths for private calls with customers, with others, and that type of thing that you have a space to go to. Um, we are going to have mid-size flexible gathering spaces that can move forward. And you know what, we, we were really thoughtful in the design of it that allowed the flexibility. And then on top of that, then you have to build a great system of booking, you know, so that people actually know what's available. People have done this before and it does work, but it's crunchy because it's personal. And, and, and it is a change uh, management situation because whatever I had before, um, by taking that away, what does that mean? You know, your point of when you gave your office away, uh, the, the, the uh, ripple effects that people uh, experience, uh, and it wasn't even you, it wasn't even them, uh, they, they uh, experienced through you. So those things are really crunchy, and you're going to have to just think about those things, especially as we come back, because people are crunchy. People don't want to come back full-time. Some people do, and people um, are, uh, are just more irritable right now. So the key is, I think, and we're going to talk about it, is really just be clear of, uh, of how you're doing things and uh, how people uh, can find out about that. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some common sense things as a manager to help deal with this situation and to think about? The first one. Don't pretend this doesn't matter. It matters. Yeah, yeah. And we know deep down inside it matters. However, uh, you know what? There's sometimes a lot going on and we try, we often will avoid the things that are going to be the crunchiest and this is going to be a crunchy one. So don't avoid it, deal with it. And COVID-19 has put this issue on hold a little bit. It has and will always matter as things get back to normal. Yeah, you know what? Um it's a, it, it is a, a um, uh, I'm not just going to say a level thing, but it is a, a value thing. Office is uh, really uh, make a difference of or, or in people's minds. It's hierarchical a bit. It, it, it can be related to value. And this is why I think it's really super clear to be able to have um, if, if it's role based, if it's if it's what you do based, I think it makes it so much easier because most people get it. That if you, if most of your day is involved with two or three people or, or you're on a phone or you're doing highly confidential stuff, most people will get it. Like you got it with your office, that that, that needs to be a private space. And this is an area where a lot of managers think that there's no upside. And in many situations, that is exactly correct. It is. But again, I think if you can be clear up front, there's going to be a lot more upside than downside. There's a lot more downside if you're unclear 
because you're going to have to deal with it anyways. So better get those frameworks in place. And if there is a policy, is it a good one? Is it out of date? Yeah, I would bet that there are still many policies out there that have offices based upon level. And you know what? In some cases, the intention was that the higher up you are, the more meetings you have, the more things you have with people. But that's not always the case. Uh, but but uh, it's a good chance to review your policy and to make sure that it's relevant to today's environment and also relevant to the hybrid environment because it's now changed. And it's function. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is it fair? Whatever fair means. Mm-hmm. This is what I struggle with, Greg, is the word fair when somebody uses it. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like you shift from fair to functional might be a better way of approaching it, you know, to, to, because if it's functional, if you're clear on the questions or frameworks, the filters of which you make the decisions, then guess what? It ends up being more fair, equitable, because you're using the same frameworks to make all decisions. Yeah, I just have a problem with formulas and things like that. Mm. And and I think we're going to get into setups and stuff, I think, in a few minutes. But I, I really struggle with what fair means, mm. um, especially when we get into function and maybe somebody that has um, uh, an accessibility issue. Maybe they, uh, you know, whatever that is, and it's so important to accommodate people. And I think that, you know, kind of tails along with the function. What mm. what are you doing? What do you need to do your job? Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. And do you have an issue with offices in your work environment? Like, is this a a, a very high level thing that people are concerned about? You should really know that. Yeah, it's really interesting too, because I think that there was this big swing to open offices pre-COVID, right? Uh, Probably in five or 10 years pre-COVID, but there was a big swing to open concept and a lot of people hated it. Uh, And a lot of people loved it. Um, uh, one study said it increased product productivity by a thousand percent. The other one said it decreased productivity by a thousand percent. And, and I think it's because it's, there's no one size fits all. It's, you know, know your culture, know what you do, understand what you do, not organizationally, but also by roles. And I think that then is a good, uh, plan to be thoughtful about it, be planful about what it looks like. But, um, You know, uh, I've never really had any issues with offices, except when I've been in them and I thought, this is ridiculous. Why is it that way? Or how can we design it for flexibility, right? So uh, I've always felt that that's just the most important thing. Uh, I think there's two points that are just brewing up. Uh, uh, The one, um, I actually had a huge office at one point and it was in a secure area. And I said, listen, you know, I have an open concept. And then I didn't realize it, but none of the people that worked for me had access to that area. So they'd have to call me and we'd have to make an arrangement. And, and, uh, they gave me a little bit of a hard time and, and rightfully so, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay. But the other point is, and I think we've talked about this because people had to work from home. A lot of people actually appreciated it because it, it cut down on commute and people had family situations they had to deal with. It's amazing how much more productive people have been working from home. Mm, I agree. I agree. Now it depends upon your home situation. If you've got dogs, cats, kids, uh, everything going around. But in many cases, when, when, uh, when people did have the private space, you're right. They got lots done. Probably half of the, a bigger issue was when to stop and, and, uh, um, how to put the boundaries around so you didn't even work further than you uh, should. 
Um, where does the organization want to go? Hybrid, open concept, different offerings to meet the different phases of people's work. I think this is something that hopefully people have been planning for with the return, but I sometimes wonder if it's really taken that seriously. I think, you know, I'm working with a lot of leaders and a lot of uh, uh, people leaders that are responsible for this space. And I do think that there is a lot of thought going into it. Uh, I think that uh, people are first just trying to discover out um, who needs to be here, who needs not to be here, uh, who wants to be here. Uh, so to really get a sense of, of what that looks And then when we gather, what are we gathering for? So, uh, you know, there's a lot of work. Uh, uh, Priya Parker talks about uh, the art of gathering and that being thoughtful and designing how people come together, how people return to space. So there, I think there are people that are really um, thinking about this, but it is so complex. Uh, and it's costly uh, if you're changing anything than uh, what you had before, because it's not going to be the same. If you know, when you think about the office situation, if I'm only in one or two days a week, do I really need a private office? Even if I'm in a senior role or if I'm in a role that requires that, I don't think you do anymore. I think it's going to be more flex office. So what does that look like? Will it look like a little, you you talked about your uh, one drawer. Is the future, it will be private cubbies, you know, that you move around um, you know, lockers where you keep stuff and you, uh, so you don't have to carry them around, you know, stuff. So I think it's really, it's kind of interesting of what it'll be. Maybe we'll have digital walls so that the, you can touch and put your picture, your family pictures in, you plug it in to make it feel LinkedIn. I do think there's creative solutions here that we can think about. Uh, uh, but with those come costs. Um, but I do think you gotta, you're going to have to think about, how do you add those personal elements in in a in a hoteling environment? Because uh, uh, you want your office to be a uh, a warm place, a place where people want to go. I think people are really beginning to think about that. How do we draw people back to the office through the experience? Build relationship. You build connectivity. You stay close to really what's happening. Um, there is more of an open space to, to, to chat. And I think that's one of the things that people are missing by working at home. And we do know this to be true, uh, that, that uh, water cooler catch-up, that, uh, oh, I got an idea. You got two seconds. Now, what that does also add is to less efficiency because you keep getting interrupted all the time. But again, it's just being thoughtful. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of great work around how you work. And uh, again, by having those private spaces, you manage your time. So even if you're in an open concept, you can say, listen, from 9 until 11, I'm in the undisturbed room because I need focused effort to really drive something forward. But from 11 till 2, I'm in open concept. So in that space, you know, uh, plan interruption, plan connectivity. Uh, so, so sometimes we get stuck in these little uh, head spaces or ruts as what, what only one way works. And I think it's really just about declaring and planning. And I'm not a big planner, but I've learned that by being that way of planning, uh, my day is so much more effective. So uh, it's just 
but it's helping people think differently and shift to that new mindset and be okay with saying, hey, don't interrupt me for two hours, but hey, I'm going to be available from here to here. So hang on, unless it's urgent. If it's really urgent, here's what you need to do. I think it's just, you know, laying it out. It was funny. Later in my career, I was in an open concept by choice and I was very deliberate about where I was going to sit. So I sat in a place and a couple steps away was a conference room. There was some, some technology that I needed that was nearby and it was near a kitchenette that had the, uh, the hot water pot for me to make tea. And I chose that spot for a reason because all the things that I needed to do and some of the people I needed to talk to were in that area and yet I could still have an open concept and look outside and I had a couple big plants and it was awesome. But everything I needed was nearby and I felt very comfortable there. It was a very planned event. Mm. Yeah, well, I, I think we can be more planned in those things. I, I think that is a good way to keep people, um, allow people to the flexibility to create their right their spaces uh, while still uh, ensuring enhanced collaboration through those connections. That's cool. And the next point you actually mentioned about five minutes ago, because we get we just go off with stories, right? Um, is there money to change things up if we need to? Yeah, and plan the budget now. And, you know, again, I think this is a good investment because you're going to save lots. You know, I think most organizations are going to shrink their footprint because they won't need that much. So when you shrink your footprint, um, hold back some money and invest in those things that allow the experience to be enhanced. Because when people do come into work, you want that to be a great experience because you want people to at least most organizations want people to come in to two or three days a week. Well, you want to make sure that that is valuable to them. And people have forgotten how valuable it is to be in a place to connect with others, to get things done. Because we've got in our, uh, and rut's not the right word, but we've got in our groove. Um, and it is tough to make that commute. So you're, you should be, make sure you hold that money aside to invest in the things that are really going to make it attractive. And you can't pass the buck. You have to actually deal with this issue. Yeah, and um, be really clear on what the organization's position is. Be clear on what your position is and how you can support it, be aligned to it. And then just just because if you actually uh, better understand the why, and I've always, you know, on almost all our podcasts we talk about this, you know, it's not the what that's important. It's the why it's important to give people a little bit of the reasoning behind, that's going to help you as a manager explain to someone the decisions the organization made. But if you say the why, if it's been thought out, most people will get it. You're still going to get people to be, you know, churny about it and that kind of thing. But if you thought about it and you have a why behind it, most people will accept it. That's cool. That's cool. So as employees, there are a couple of things we can do to assist or things that we should really think about. What do you want? Do you want to be at home? Do you want to be hybrid? What do you want to do? It's kind of important to know what, what works for you. Mm-hmm. And really be open about that because, again, I think we've gotten our, our uh, groove. And uh, I think to be really challenging yourself and saying, you know, what do I love about at home and what's good about home? working at home? What isn't good about walking home, working home? What advantages can I get if I come together with my colleagues in person? So really actually challenge yourself on both scenarios and um, 
and and know that you're probably in a little bit of a groove slash rut because we've been in it for 18 months, two years. And, and, you know, change over time just becomes a habit. And sometimes we forget about the things that are good that are different from our current experience. And where do we work best? Because at the end of the day, we actually do have to produce whatever it is that we produce. So where does that happen and how does that figure in? Yeah, and you know what? I do a lot of work with um, various assessments that help you understand how you work best. One of the ones that I love the best is called Colby, and it's a tool which helps you innately understand how you innately best problem solve and and, uh, take action. It's fascinating. And understanding that will also help understand if where you need to work and and then on top of that it's just declaring um here's where i need to work and here's why and how it makes it more effective and how i can contribute higher level to the organizational goals having that clear in your head again it's that why oh okay hey if you're going to be able to do that then that makes sense right but be clear on that and another level to that is how do you need to work with others as well right we are just working with an organization right now where we're creating uh, job role charters, role profiles. And, um, you know, it has its standard things in there. What's the objective of this role? What are the key accountabilities? What are the key capabilities? What are the decision rights? That, But there's this whole piece around who do I work with? Um, who do I share responsibilities with? Who do I contribute to and who contributes to me? And having that discussion and how best can we do that is really important. And these are one-pager, simple uh, processes, but allows you to think about who are those connections, who are those lateral connections that are important for you to be successful and to deliver what you need to do. Really important. Yeah, in my present situation, I really appreciate how how people have been flexible and how we uh, people have reached out and stuff so that we can get the work done and, and we can talk to each other and things like that. And I think that's the reality for a certain number of people is you know, they're working for a team or a boss that isn't anywhere near where they live. Uh, I think that's really powerful. So it's it's taking the time up front. Hey, hey, where are you? Uh, how will we best work? What are our time slots to best connect? Because you're right. You know, I had a I had a session that I ran uh, in the late late part of last year, early part of this year, and one of the people was in Johannesburg. Uh, so uh, normally we'd start a lot earlier. But we decided to start a little bit later that fit into that person's schedule. So, and and guess what? Having that upfront conversation allowed everybody else to be really engaged because it's like you actually care about me. And especially in the remote atmospheres or where you've got people all over the place, really kind of just having that conversation up front. How best do we work? What's our way of working, including when do we best connect? And some practical things about that as well. It's like, so say you are going into the office. Say I'm going into the office in Toronto and I need to talk to people in other countries. Is the Wi-Fi good enough? And is there a place I can, you know, cubbyhole and, and have a conversation without everything else swirling around? And, and these are the practical things that people need to think about. Like if, if you're working with people in other countries and you've got to switch your ship, you know, you got to kind of figure out when that time is, do you actually have the logistics to be able to do that? Is the Wi-Fi good enough? Do you have a headset? Is there a room that you can go and, and sit in so that you're not disturbed so you can have this very important conversation with somebody in another country? I think that's really interesting is actually as we return to the office, be thoughtful on what I need, what I'm in the office for my varying situations. 
and be a little bit more planful, uh, not only on equipment, but on space and all those things as well. That That is really, that's a great point. And kind of to sum up this part of the employee, do you want to be in the office full-time, stay at home or hybrid? It affects the ask. I think it's just so strategic to sit there and, and, and just have a conversation with yourself. Think about it and go, okay, before I have this conversation, maybe I need to get myself squared away and what's important for me before I have a conversation about what's important for them and what the company can do. Yeah, and then I think the next point is to figure out what the company's doing. What are the company's policies? What's their expectations? Um, how are they going to support those expectations? Uh, but knowing what, you know, being clear on what your role is and what you think and what you want is an important first step. But then understand what the organization is prepared to give and flex with. Uh, and then that's where it'll be the interesting conversation where there are gaps. What are you going to do about that? Is the phone booth going to show up? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the next one is, do you care? And uh, I'm going to tell a couple stories, but uh, it's it, like, I don't care what I work. If I have a choice, I'm going to be very deliberate in how I do it. But in my earlier career in the police, your office was actually a car. And it's funny, when I became a sergeant, I had to go on the road. So you supervised anywhere from 10 to 50 people, depending on what was going on. And in my first time doing that, uh, I, I was the only sergeant went on the road. We were short people. So I picked whatever car I wanted, which sergeant car, because the sergeant's car had special equipment in it. So it wasn't a deal. But the platoon that we, the shift that we reported off to, that took over after us, had a full measure of sergeants. But there was this one really nice car. Of course, I got to drive it because no one else was going out. But when they got the car, it was a big deal for them. And I didn't care. Like, I'll drive anything. It doesn't matter. And the most senior person there would try to corner me and say, I need the keys to that good car because I'm, I'm the main guy on this platoon. I went, Listen, I don't care. You guys work out your own thing about who gets cars and stuff like that. It doesn't matter to me. And he's very persistent. So Greg, you're aware that I can be passive aggressive and sarcastic. <laughs> Sometimes. Yes. So then it became a sport and I would find one of the other junior sergeants to just hand them the keys. I'd park the car in places he wouldn't look for it. It just became such, so much nonsense. And, you know, I, I said to the other sergeants on the platoon, you guys need to work this out. I don't want to be involved in this discussion because I don't care. My situation is fine. And if the other sergeant wanted to go out in a good car, it's all his. I don't care. So you guys need to work this out. And so I think we need to decide whether we care about this. And if we do, what do we actually care about? What part of it? Mm. And it's funny, when I became a sergeant for the first time, there was two of us. There was a, a staff sergeant that ran the platoon, but there's two of us that went on the road. And so for the first two nights, I went out with the other sergeant because I was brand new. And at the end of the second night, he says, Alistair, we need to talk. And there was two cars. One was a van and one was a brand new, spanking new police interceptor. It was kind of nice. Mm. But we were driving around the van. So he said, listen, I'd like to talk about which car you're going to drive and which one I'm going to drive. I went, listen, dude, whatever you want. He says, I want the van. Okay, that's good because I seriously want the interceptor. <laughs> so it's interesting that, you know, like we we're talking about office space and the physical office space. So it, it's funny because it's all about, it's the same thing though, underlying thing. It's status. It's, you know, it, yes, technology, but often in those cars, the technology was the same. It's just the car was newer 
or a little cooler or those kinds of things. And it's so funny how we get sucked into it. But I, I do think your your whole point of of understand not only do you care, but why do you care? And again, it 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 might surprise you what you bubble up in your head. And then you may no longer care as much, or it might help you articulate why it's important. So starting with why you care and actually having a bit of a reflection around that is not, start with maybe do you care? And if you do care, why do you care? And I think that really will help you understand or be able to communicate you know, to your point, is it is it actually worth it having the conversation? And if it is, it will allow you to have uh, some facts to better support why it is important that you have this space over that space or this car over that car. And this is one of these issues that sometimes people, they choose that this is the hill they want to fight on. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, like, I'm joking around a little bit, but this is serious. Like, people sometimes are very invested in the options that they mm-hmm. have. And uh, I think it's important that we figure out is this the hill we want to fight for and why? Mm-hmm. Why is it that important? And uh, I've seen some pretty heated discussions about offices or cars or whatever, you know, the shiny thing is that we're talking about. I just think it's really important that we kind of take some perspective in it. Yeah, and you know, I think as managers too, um, we, we, we've talked about this on almost every podcast is know your people and uh, create a space for your people to be open and and uh, so if you have a, a team member that seems really, really passionate, annoyed, frustrated, um, anxious about a workspace, wherever that workspace is, um, be curious. Provide a space to say, hey, Alistair, uh, you know, you, this seems really important to you. I can sense that having an office is really important. But help me understand a little bit around why it's so important to you. Um, and what is, you might discover something that you're not thinking that, that, boy, you know what, this person should have an office, or it might be a beautiful opportunity to kind of reinforce the philosophy of the organization and help them think through it. But don't just discount them. Um, be curious. And we, we say that a lot in our podcast, be curious, ask questions, and that may help you better understand what's going on. And then as a manager, better able to handle the situation. But it certainly helps a lot if you've got guiding principles and you also understand what you want as a, as a manager. And what do you want for others kind of feeds into that. Like if there's somebody that does have a very specific need, you know, that's important to know. And I don't know about you, but I, I'd give up an office in a second. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, if I'm sitting beside somebody annoying, then that, that's going to be annoying. But uh, I think it's important that we do know, uh, you know, what do we want for others? We want them to be happy, productive, part of the team, not isolating themselves, all those things. It's, it's really important that we, we figure out what we want, uh, what others want, what we want for them. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, a really good point is really being clear around what you want to exist as a result of your space. So, uh, and what do people need in that space? Thinking about that up front is going to help you in your design and also in how you manage these situations so much better. And if the issue comes up and the organization is looking for input, step up. One thing that I think is so important is don't complain, add value to something. Like if you have an issue with something and there's an opportunity to give some input, to work on something, then step up and do it. You should be positive about this. And if you you get to fill out a survey or you get to sit on a committee or you get to go to some open meeting where you get to say what you need to say, please do it because it's better for you and it's better for the organization. 
Yeah. And, you know, like, uh, I'll tell you, management has a lot on their minds these days. And uh, they would value contribution and support and helping to do those things. So if you got an opinion or a, or a perspective, bring that forward. Don't just sit and cross your arms and, and uh, talk behind the, your, the, everybody's back and say, oh, look what they're doing. You know, there's a, there's a great uh, tool called, uh, I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, Above and Below the Line. Check it out. Just search on Google above and along the line. I think there's a great video by the Conscious Leadership Group, and uh, it talks about how you need to show up above the line. And that's uh, be be curious, be positive, be proactive versus below the line, complaining, being a victim and going forward. And almost in all of our podcasts, uh, both managers and team members, think about how do you pause and shift above the line. And I think if you're willing to do some work and do some of the lifting for a manager, you just said it. Managers have a lot on their minds right now. Coming out of COVID, are we going back to work? Aren't we? Who is? Who isn't? So if there's somebody that can go around and like do the survey and do all that stuff, do some of the heavy lifting for them, they're really going to appreciate that. Mm -hmm. I agree, 100%. Wrap up, Greg. So uh, it's funny. When we started this, uh, I'll be totally honest with the listeners, uh, Alistair said, we should do one called The Offices. And I said, The Offices? I mean, man, why, why are we doing The Offices? Like, partially because probably I don't care that much about my personal office. Secondly, I, I'm now working from home, as many people are, and so my own office is my office. And fortunately, I have a large enough space that I have a private space. But uh, I think this is uh, my overall view of this conversation is uh, we are coming back. Um, most places are opening up. Uh, most places are going to require at least a couple of days back in the office. And this underlying issue of space is a hot button. Um, the sooner you can get clarity around it, the sooner you can um, add and be able to have a fluid and adapting environment that supports the needs of people coming back that actually can create a space where people want to come back the better. So really, if you're listening to this and you have an opportunity to have a voice or to, to really be thoughtful about making these changes now, get on it because it's really, really super important. And help people, start help people thinking about a new conversation around what do you need to be most successful in your role? Not about what your title tell you, but what do you need to be most successful in your role? And, and what are the various options that we're going to provide in our space for you to be successful in your role? Uh, everything from those uh, hotel booths, like you talked about, the mini kind of conversation sessions and the big spaces or the open concept where you can just kind of fluid and connect with everybody. Um, get on that now, though. And if, if you're not a leader and you think it's important, Find who's in charge of it and share your perspective of, uh, of and, and put up your hand to help uh, pull it together. So I'm going to confess that I was thinking about this episode all day today. And I had, I think I've shared six stories. I think I had like 14 stories ready to go. I was really excited about this. And uh, I could tell that you weren't entirely sold on it when we sat down because there was this little negotiation going on. I went, no, no, th this will be good. This will be good. This will be good. So uh, I'm glad we had this conversation because I don't think it's uh, the same as any other conversation that we've had about this. Like we have talked a little bit about offices and coming back and stuff like that. But 
this is a great topic and I think we've had a really good discussion. I think we learned a lot about each other's personalities, that's for sure. You know, here's the two guys that actually work from home and have spaces at home that are now s- sitting in a co-working environment at stu- uh, Staples Studio doing a podcast. I think we're probably the most unlikely people to talk about this, but we do have a history with it. And we have had to deal with these things in different ways. And quite frankly, Greg, you have clients that are dealing with this stuff. Yeah, 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 I agree. And you know, there's three things that were bubbling up in my head as a final close is that uh, have a plan, be clear on on, on what you're going to do and communicate that clearly and ensure that that includes the why you're doing it. You know, those are almost the three things that we say in every conversation. Have a plan. Um, you know, uh, communicate well and engage with people on that plan and and ensure that it includes the why. I love this conversation. And I say I don't care, but I obviously do care. <laughs> and I've had a great up and down with this topic and I've appreciated all the experiences I've had because I think it has informed me. And I think I'm in this position where, uh, you know, where I, where I work presently and they're really great for me. I, I have been working from home and there will probably be a, a moment where I need to go into the office Uh, And I I look forward to those opportunities to go face-to-face with some of the people I work with that do the same role as me. But uh, no, this has been fun. I thought it was going to be fun. And I had like a way more conversations, uh, stories, I mean, uh, that I could share. But your energy rise, like you get to tell the stories and it's like your, your chair goes up and then it, then it settles down. And it's fun because, you know, on the Zoom, I only see your shoulders and above, and you can't get the the sheer emotion. I think this is the fun of actually coming back into the office is actually this sense of energy that you feel. Um, and even with us sitting in this in this booth, um, there's just a heightened energy, and I really love uh, experiencing. You can, I can tell when you're excited about something, and I and you, and you can tell. And we know when I'm less excited about something, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, this has been a good go, and and this I think underlines that. Although I don't want to go into downtown Toronto five days a week, going face, you know, going and being face to face with some of the people you work with is really important for our health and our you know psychologically or mm-hmm. socially, all those things. So, uh, you know, I just hope people give a lot of thought as they start heading back and, you know, dealing with who sits with, you know, all that stuff. I mean, it's just the reality of it. But, you know, if we give a lot of thought to it and we have a good conversation about it, hopefully it'll be less stressful Mm. and less, uh, you know, less arguments and people not feeling good about things. So, um, listen, we hope that some of what we've spoken about you find helpful. I hope that you didn't find anything we spoke of offensive or made you angry. But Greg, your philosophy. Right. And then we're going to do some call-outs, I hope, because yes. we always do, right? Okay. So our philosophy is that uh, a, a really early gift that I got from my first coach, uh, who really was a coach for most of my career, was that uh, during those conversations, sometimes they're going to get crunchy and I'm going to be peeved off. And sometimes they're going to be joyful and I'm going to get excited. And the best coaching sessions and the best really environments are ones which you experience the crunchiness and the joyfulness because they both point to learning and they both point to growth. And so we always end with that because we hope that, and we're planful on this, that our episodes create a little bit of crunchiness and create a little bit of joy, all aimed to help you grow whether you're a manager or whether you're a team member uh, throughout uh, throughout this process. And uh, 
like to thank our hosts again, um, Staples Studio. We're in the podcast uh, booth at uh, Dorval Crossing. Another great experience here. But I know you wait for this every time we do a podcast. It's the shutouts. I do. I'm curious because we have had a surge of listeners over this last month, and uh, it's, it's exciting. So let's hear where some of those folks are from. Lagos, Nigeria. Oh, Lagos, Nigeria. Awesome. Porto Vallarta in Mexico. Wow. And Mont Tremblant in Quebec. Wow. Wow. That's fantastic. You know, and who would have thunk? Thunk is a great word. Who would have thunk when we first started this? This was a conversation just between you and me at a diner. But we knew that that uh, the kinds of things that we had experienced, that we'd learned, that we'd messed up, are things that uh, really are relevant across the world. And, uh, and obviously, through our listeners, we're discovering that whether it's in Nigeria, Mexico, we've been in uh, Singapore, we've been in, all over the world, that, that these are the experiences that we all experience. And, um, and uh, so we're, we're happy that uh, it is landing and helpful for others wherever you are. We've had a good month, my friend. Yeah, awesome. People matter. Take the time with the people you work with. They are an important part of your job your success, or your failure. Talk to you next time. Take care.